Well, good morning. Isn't it, God, isn't it so good when God invites us to his meetings? As, as Scott suggested, um, yeah, the preacher this morning is a bit taller than he is. Um, hence, hence this. Also, the preacher this morning recently had a cataract operation, which means with the glasses on, my left eye wants to focus here and my right eye wants to focus here. Hence, I need to get close to some quite large notes to try and keep me on track. Um, I'm seeing my optician this week, so I should be, should be back on track. It is quite warm in here, isn't it? So, my name's Gary, for those who, who don't know you. Uh, I'm one of the leaders of the home groups here, occasionally in the band, and, and occasionally I get to preach. So, I, I will be peering at you over my glasses from time to time, because that's how this works. Um, I, I'm not trying to be your, your headmaster. This is just me. Actually, my headmaster was really good at this. He, he would take his glasses off and he would stare at you, absolutely unblinking with one eye because it was a glass eye. <laughs> Terrifying, but uh, I'm over that now. It's okay. So I'm preaching this morning, uh, the last in our series on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You probably know the whole list now because we've had this whole series and I'm finishing off the series talking about gentleness and self-control. I'm going to go through quite a few scriptures uh, and they're not going to be on the screen. I will try to remember to tell you what they are. If you're one of those people who loves to go back over the scriptures that have been quoted, then you know, do ask me and I'll, I'll send, you a, send you a list of all of them and, and you, can, uh, you can study it and check it out. So, who remembers the, uh, the Rambo films? Um, I, think there were, I think there were about five in the end. Um, Sylvester Stallone starring. I, I didn't see any of them. I understand the plot is roughly that um, John Rambo is a traumatized Vietnam veteran. He uh, gets very annoyed at certain injustices against himself and others, takes off his shirt and starts shooting people. I, that's probably a simplification of the plot, um, but um, that, that's, that's the general gist of it. Uh, someone back, way back, I think, I think 1982 was about when it started, someone close to me saw the title of the film uh, and thought, well, that sounds nice. A nice little children's cartoon, a bit like Bambi. <laughs> that wasn't quite right. Why, why am I telling you this? Uh, why am I... Yep. Um, sermon about gentleness and self-control might not be exactly what you're expecting to hear this morning. But first, let's, let's have a look at the context of what Paul is saying. His letter to the Galatians is totally focused on trying to drag them away from some false teaching that's been happening in their church. People have been coming along saying, well, if you're going to be a Christian, first you've got to follow all the law of Moses. You men have got to be circumcised. You've got to be Jews first, Christians second. And Paul's writing this whole letter to say, no, you're just, just not right. Salvation is not that way. It's by God's grace, through faith, Accepting Jesus as Lord and as your Lord, not by your works, it's not by the things that you do. 
the miracle of Jesus is that we can be made clean in God's eyes by his sacrifice, by accepting Jesus. Now that's, that's amazing enough, but it's just the beginning. That's the start of the Christian walk. There is more. Galatians 5.18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul talks about freedom under the Holy Spirit, not being under the law. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, you don't need to learn all those rules anymore because the Holy Spirit has put the law in your heart. With the Holy Spirit reigning in our lives, first off, our freedom is the freedom not to do bad things. We don't need to do bad things anymore. We're free not to do them. But that surely is just a baseline. Like, was anyone ever asked in a staff review to say, tell me all the things you've not done this year? <laughs> Did you ever write a, a CV for a job application or a, a course with a list of the things you've not done? The freedom is the freedom to do good things, and importantly, to do them well. Free not to do bad things, free to do good things, free to do them well. Or as Paul puts it simply in Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless indiscretion. Reckless indiscretion, mind. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's an alternative. And if that's not enough... And receiving the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Ephesians 1, 14, is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and he's purchased us to be his own people. And that's quite a package of amazing stuff that Paul is, is trying to get into the heads and the spirits of these people in the Galatian church who are being led astray by false teaching. So it's on that foundation that Paul then writes about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit that leaves no room for the bad things. If you've got all these good things, there's no room left for the bad things. That's God changing us because he loves us, making us more like him. So have your nine a day. Now what does he mean by fruit? What is, what is fruit? Well, I, thought, I obviously turned to the trusty old dictionary of biology. And what do we have? Yeah, Fruit, uh, ripened ovary of the flower, enclosing seeds. Now, I think I know what you're thinking, uh, and I do agree. That's really not much help at all. So I'm going to get back to the Bible. And Paul really does write fruit, not fruits. Now, he could have written the natural growth arising out of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Not so catchy, but that, I think, is the sense. And it's not just a grammatical point. We shouldn't be thinking about choosing among the fruit. What would we like out of the nine? It's a single package, one fruit, nine aspects. No favorites, all needed. So it's unlike the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts are given to the church, different gifts through different individuals, so that as a whole, we have a healthy congregation. We all contribute our own individual gifts, the natural and the spiritual. But we all grow all the fruit. And this ninefold fruit is not a, not a random list. There is, there is an order and a logic to it, uh, but I'll come back to that. But first, what, what can we say specifically about gentleness, 
and self-control. So first, gentleness. Um, the Greek is pretes, uh, which could be translated gentleness, mildness, or strange gentle force is another attempt to try to catch the sense of it. Uh, it's all, in the Greek, it's almost the same word as meekness, as pretes and prates, which is, again, weakness, no. It's exercising strength under control, demonstrating power in gentleness. So it's not, by all means, necessary. But also it's not compromising. It's not being slow to use force when it is right. It's not being passive. It's not being compliant. It's knowing what power you have, but under control. That's what Paul is referring to when he writes in Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. It should be visible. For example, um, King Saul was trying to find David, the future king, and try to kill him. Uh, And David was running for his life. But twice he had Saul absolutely in his power. Because Saul was asleep and David had him absolutely where he needed him. But he didn't kill him. And afterwards, he tried to use that to be reconciled. That's in 1 Samuel chapters 24 and 26. Or think about how Jesus replied when Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not of this realm. John 18, 33 to 36. Jesus knew absolutely what power he had at his command. But there was this very firm but gentle reply to Pilate, which I'm sure scared Pilate. He, he, he would not see this very often. He would see people trembling. So that's gentleness. What about self-control? Again, the Greek in this case is ekratia, um, self-control, self-mastery, self-restraint. Now, elsewhere, when Paul is, talk, is writing his pastoral letters to Timothy and to Titus, Second Timothy and, and Titus, he uses different words, sophronismos, which is very similar, but it's about self-discipline, self-control, sound judgment. And Paul says to Timothy, you've received a spirit of power, important, of love, important, and the third thing is self-discipline. Notice the beginning and the end of the, of the, of the fruit, love and self-discipline. So it's, it's related to gentleness because gentleness is a kind of self-control. Now, I've, I've, I've read I, just, just in the past year or so about uh, the psychology of leading a happy life. What are the psychological traits that are most strongly associated with having a fulfilled, happy life, whatever that means. And in different pieces of research, it's been defined in different ways. Different things have been included in the list of possible traits that might lead to a fulfilled and happy life. But fairly consistently, when you look across the whole set of studies, um, what comes out top is intelligence. Now, this is not talking about genius. This is talking about having the understanding, the ideas, the ability to respond in the way that you need for, what, for who you are and what you are doing, whether you're a maths professor or, or a professional footballer, 
whatever you're doing, it's, it's having the mental ability to deal with what you need to deal with. But consistently second is self-control. Without it, intelligence can take you to very strange places. Now, if you were selling Pirelli tires, you might say power is nothing without control. And, I, yeah, it's, it's a fair summary there. So it's not, sorry to John Lennon, it's not whatever gets you through the night, it's all right. Because that's not good. There has to be self-control. But like the freedom in the spirit, you can imagine three kinds of self-control. There's control not doing bad things, there's doing good things, and there's doing them well. And not doing bad things is too obvious. And sometimes I think we focus too much on, on, on our sins and what they are and dealing with them. Now, of course, we should be aware of what we're getting wrong. But the focus should be on doing good things and doing them well, to shift to, to, what, to this mission that God has given us. We won't have time for doing bad things. Now, you might have noticed a possible contradiction here. Fruit of the Spirit but self-control. Fruit of the Spirit, self-control. How, yeah, who's in charge here? Well, I don't think it is a contradiction. This is nothing like demon possession. A person is still in control. The Spirit can empower, can instruct, can guide, but the choices are still ours. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. The spirit gives self-control. He doesn't take it away. So I had a look in the Bible for some, yeah, some characters, the, the famous people of the Bible, to, for examples of self-control. Um, I thought of Samson and immediately went looking for someone else. Um, Moses, yeah, murderer, banned from the promised land for lack of self-control. Mm, yeah, kind of, you know, running a bit short here. David, King David, yeah, a man after God's own heart. Yeah, apart from the murder, the adultery, the summary executions. Where, where, where should we look? Well, that was then, and Jesus said to his apostles, he was talking about the Holy Spirit, saying, he is with you, will be in you. There is a change coming, John fourteen seventeen. So we should maybe be looking to the, the New Testament people, like Paul, uh, who in his letter to the Galatians says stuff like, foolish Galatians, chapter 3, verse 1, and goes on in, in chapter 5, verse 12, I wish those agitators who want you circumcised to go, should go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Ah, uh, and of course, uh, Paul wasn't perfect, of course. Uh, nobody is. Nobody is perfect except, yeah, except Jesus. Yes, keep with me here. So what about Jesus? Shouting accusations in the temple courts, turning over the tables, covered in cash, driving out the animals. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, blind guides, whitewashed tombs, snakes, brood of vipers. Matthew 23. Is that self-control? Well, yes, but not in the way that we might be thinking about it. Did Jesus always have joy and peace as he prayed in Gethsemane in the agony of knowing what was to come, as he wept over Jerusalem? 
Was he kind and gentle to the scribes and the Pharisees, always patient with his disciples? We can say he always, he always showed goodness, faithfulness, love, and I do believe always self-control. He could choose to limit gentleness, limit patience and the rest when the time was right. He knew what was right at a time. So self-control isn't just about peace and calm. It can say no to some appearance of gentleness. It can do what is actually kind, not just polite or sympathetic, and it's certainly not tolerance of wrong. Think of it this way. Who is the real Kal-El? If you're not into DC Comics, Kal-El is Superman's real name. Who is the real Kal-El? Superman or the mild-mannered Clark Kent? He could, it's the same person. He could be both. It's, it all comes down to self-control and knowing what is right at a time. The fruit is strong, and it's our strength, and we control it. So self-control itself is not, it's not, it's not a virtue on its own. It has no merit apart from what is being controlled. It's good only with the rest of the fruit. Many a psychopath has high self-control. Anger requires more self-control than kindness. Fight more than peace. Self-control is very important in a fight. Ask a boxer. And we're in a, in a heavenly spiritual fight where self-control really matters. So these nine aspects of the fruit, they're not random. They depend on each other. Is patience really fruit? without peace and joy and love? Or is it merely tolerance? Or as Scott put it a few weeks back, is, can you see goodness without kindness? Love is at the center. It, it's the beginning. It's the source. It's the strength for all the rest. And that is desperately important. But it's not my subject for today. Self-control is not last on the list because it's least important. Peter um, sees it as on the path to an effective Christian life, a path to love. In 2 Peter 1, 6-7, he talks about faith leading to virtue, to knowledge, to self-control, to perseverance, to godliness, to brotherly kindness, to love. It's on the path to, to love. So it's got to be something important. And I think the reason is that it, it kind of contains the other eight. It monitors them, it directs them. Without it, you have good intentions, poorly delivered. With it, the fruit of the Spirit means doing what God wants effectively. Without self-control, there is no patience, no peace. And poor self-control leads to poor decisions. Self-control can moderate, can restrain the others if they're not appropriate. It can direct them to where they're most needed. Mold them to be expressed in the best way. Select the right balance of the eight. So not necessarily all eight to the same degree all the time. In the previous series on, uh, on First Timothy, Ian Beatty talked about love, but pragmatically under control, based on the resources available and need. Love is something to be done, not only felt. Self-control directs the doing directing the desire in the most effective way. And that's not an excuse for not having love. It's a responsibility to get it right in the way that it's expressed. So how do we grow this fruit? 
Now, you've heard it uh, in, in previous talks in this series. There is no method, there's no system, there's no formula to grow the fruit. I guess there are various translations of the Bible out there. Um, does anyone have Paul writing in, uh, in Galatians chapter, 20, uh, chapter 5, 22, the root of the Spirit? I hope not, because that would be a really wrong translation. It is the fruit. It grows if we are rooted in Christ, as I think Nick expressed it nicely last week. Rooted in Christ with him and filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't come because we're good. He comes to make us good. Receiving him must come first. Then the spirit, the fruit of the spirit can grow. No, note, grow. You can't necessarily expect it to appear fully formed in an instant. It's something that grows through the indwelling spirit. Whatever we have, by character, upbringing, training, that can be good. But it's not the fruit of the spirit unless it's grown by the Spirit. and risk it becomes a source of pride, not power. First receive the gift that is the Holy Spirit, the law written on our hearts. Receiving the fruit is God's gift through the Holy Spirit. Say yes to God the Holy Spirit. Receive him. Keep on being filled by him. This is God's gift. He offers the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus the Son as our Lord and Saviour. Think of what, Paul, uh, what Peter said to, on the day of, of Pentecost to the crowd that gathered around this strange incident. Repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's, that's the first bit. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, who's he talking to? The promise belongs to you, the people who are there, and your children, and to all who are far off, to all whom the Lord our God will call to himself. That, that's you. So do not seek the Holy Spirit only for the fruit. Seek him for himself and all that he brings. Sermons and books might help you to understand what the fruit is. But in the end, you'll be disappointed if you merely understand what you don't have. Understanding the word of God is, let's be clear, really very important. But it's a path to the goal, relationship with God. So if you desire the fruit, first desire the Holy Spirit, because he is the source. If you want to grow apples, you need to become an apple tree. So welcome him. Now, the thing about welcoming the Holy Spirit is he might do other things as well because he's not just about the fruit. He might give you a ministry as an apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, or teacher, large or small scope, local or global. It might be in, in teaching, it might be in worship, it might be in prophecy. It's okay. He is God. He knows what he's doing. And if he gives you a ministry, he also equips you. So things might happen as he gives you a gift of prophecy, words of knowledge or wisdom, tongues or their interpretation, healing, faith, miracles, or distinguishing between spirits. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's okay. He is God. He knows what he's doing. So seek him for himself.
there's always more. Do not imagine for one moment that you have already received everything that God ever wants to give you, that you've seen everything that he wants you to see, that you've known and understood everything that he wants you to have. There's always more. Back in the 90s, I was blessed to hear on a number of occasions um, uh, Pastor John Arnott, who was the, um, the senior pastor at the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. And I don't know if you've never heard him, he's one amazing person, really big guy, but very gentle, very slowly spoken. Uh, and yet this amazing thing was spreading out from Toronto around the world. And one of his, his preaching was always very simple. And often he would just stand up and pray, more, more, Lord. <laughs> All this amazing stuff was happening around him. And he was praying, more. Uh, and uh, you might know there is a very tall tower in Toronto. It's called the CN Tower. Um, on one occasion, the, uh, the local tourist board were trying to publicize Toronto. Uh, and you can put words on this tower, and it will be seen from land, sea, and air for miles around. And they started to, to write from, from the top, working down, more to see and do. But it's a slow process. So, if, so for some time, there was just one word up there on the top of the CN Tower, a quarter of a mile above the ground, more. I've never seen John Arnott so excited <laughs> to set this message going out. There's always more. So where are you with the Holy Spirit today? Full of him, paused, never started, wherever you are today it's a good day to move on never too late never too soon if you've not started why not today so i'm going to ask the band to come and leading some worship as you worship invite the holy spirit to come for the first time if that's for you to refresh you to take you to whatever more means for you today. And you can do that where you're standing in worship. Uh, you can do it at the end as the, uh, the ministry team will be over here. Or if you can't wait, just, just come forward. And some of us will we'll just do a simple prayer for you as, you as you come forward. Plenty of space out here this morning. It's more than usual, which is great. So don't... Hang around. It's, it's, it's good to invite God to do more. It's okay. He is God. He knows what he's doing. Amen. 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 Thank you.